Recording in progress. Hi, and welcome to NARC, Narcissistic Abuse Recovery Collaborators, home to NARC Troopers. Uh, if you would like to hear other podcasts, read articles, and find other resources, uh, join me on um, my website, and it's narctroopers.com. Today, I'm very excited to have a guest uh, with me today, Myla Morningstar, Kenny Kenny. Uh, she is a writer on Cora and um, does just a beautiful job of uh, having honest, authentic conversations about uh, what it is to be in a relationship with a person with narcissistic personality disorder. Um, I can't get my page here where I have the list. <laughs> so Myla, I'm going to let you tell us about your three Quora spaces where we can connect with you. Sure. Um, so yeah, I have uh, three spaces on Quora that I'm uh, actively involved in right now that I've, I've created. The first one was the Narcissist Wife. That was the first one that I launched. And uh, that one's a very, it's a very personal site. Uh, a lot of you know, personal experiences on that one. And then um, the next one that I created was a hidden covert narcissistic abuse and recovery. And um, that one focuses just on the phenomenon of covert narcissistic abuse. So that, you know, when, when you really, you can go long, many years without knowing that they really have this. And um, then the other one that I recently just started was, is called the, Nar uh, the art of narcissism, which um, it's not how to be a better narcissist or anything. It is about uh, processing your feelings through poetry or, or drawing or digital art and things like that. So I'm trying to get that one going. And uh, so if anyone wants to stop in and check that out, they're more than welcome to uh, I follow you on Cora, and I have my favorite writers there: uh, Sophia Bell, Robert, oh, yeah. Robert Torbay. Uh, yeah, yeah, there's there's some excellent writers who um, who really speak quite candidly about the subject, and I always learn so much. I know that there's a lot of fans who say Cora saved their life, and that when they stumbled upon that and started reading. <clears throat> about what is narcissism uh, it, it was just transformational and it was like a lifeline being thrown to them you know there's so much misunderstanding about what is a narcissist and mm -hmm. you know isn't everybody a narcissist and yes uh, and, and with with the the you know disengagement from the narcissist there's so much misunderstanding like oh it's just a breakup you know it's just a divorce yeah. we all have those <laughs> just get over it and that's not at all it, it's just, it's, it's so terrible to be victimized twice, once by the narcissist and again by the community you're in, friends and family, because they just don't know. And yes. uh, so I know you and I are both committed to educating people about, about what this is and um, all of that. So if it's okay, let's just go ahead and, and jump in and kind of talk about a little bit about those, those cycles of yeah. narcissistic abuse. And, and let me also add one other thing, you know, abuse does not necessarily entail physical abuse. Um, right. You know, amb yes, emotional yes, ambient abuse uh, can be equally as devastating. The covert, yes. covert narcissist is really good at that ambient mm -hmm. abuse. And most of the time you don't even realize it is abuse. 
until you're out right. of it and and reflecting back on on it later and then mm -hmm. you realize oh my gosh that that is what that was and wow how did i not know that but um in these abuse cycles um you know there's there's the three stages the love bombing the devaluation and the discard so let's just um talk about that a little bit how how that has um what your observations are on those stages and kind of how that um how people can recognize that what stage they're in and what to do about it and that kind of thing right yeah just to say something on, on what you just said um you know i've had people tell me well why don't you why don't you just talk to him and i just it just makes me laugh because any of us who've been through it of course understand that that is what we've tried to do the whole time and of course it doesn't it doesn't work it's not successful so um so yeah i mean i guess i should start a little bit with um so i've been married to um i was married to a covert narcissist for uh, 33 years um i met him when i was 17 and um just just like a little bit of the background on that so the love bombing for me um he really did become who he thought i wanted him to be and i i can clearly see that now um, as you know, as a person, he was he was deferential. He was almost he almost acted subservient at times. Um, so I and I look back on that, and you know, I was so young, and I really didn't have a lot to compare it to. And um, to me, that was just the water that I swam in, kind of thing. You know, it didn't seem. And I, I've been doing that. I mean, even now, I will look back on things, and I'm like, oh my god, that really was abusive. And you know. It's just that when you're in it, when you're, it's the water that you're in, you don't always recognize it for what it is. That's just the way marriage works or that's just the way things happen. The fact that um, we never really, I mean, we had these periods of time where we, we had conflict, but in our daily life, we never fought because he never told me anything that he wanted or to change, you know, nothing. And I, I now see that as a red flag as well, that you should have, you know, normal, healthy conflict. If not, then the person that you're with is suppressing their ego somehow to, to allow yours to move forward. Robert Torbay, you mentioned him. He actually says this really cool thing that I just read. Um, you know, he says that, that, you know, that idea that they would do favors for us all the time, that anyone with a healthy ego, a healthy sense of self would understand that those kinds of things are not really deserved. And then they would kind of want equal you know, they, they would want reciprocation. They would want to reciprocate. You know, I, I, my sense of self was weak because I was so young when I, when I met him. Mm -hmm. And um, so, you know, he was always running around doing things, you know, that, that for me that I didn't ask for. And um, I actually came up with five, five Fs, I call them, of narcissism that I like to explain, like some of the stages that, that I passed through. Um, and the first one was fast. So number one is fast. There is a lightning fast connection with these coverts, yes. especially. They're very cerebral. Um, they try to connect, you know, mentally. And that is what he did with me. It was, um, we would have these, you know, hours long talks. And, but, you know, now I don't even know if, <laughs> if much of the stuff that we talked about was even something that he was interested in. I think that- Probably oh, not. You know, I, I think they have an incredible gift that just comes with with this this illness it is an illness mm -hmm. and yeah. um that the enables them to like 
tap into people and just mm-hmm. mirror them and reflect them. Yes. So you're yeah. really kind of like talking to yourself. Uh, you really because, are. Because they're not there. In a, yeah. in a double way, right? <laughs> exactly. You're, you are your own ultimate um, love mm-hmm. relationship. I mean, they become yeah. everything you ever dreamed of and ever wanted and yeah. all your secret desires and they yeah. complete you. And it's just yes. this over the top, magical, fantastical, Woo, you know, yep. and like that's that. My, that is my second one is fantasy. Because <laughs> okay. that is what they do. All right. Um, first one is fast with a lightning fast connection. And they, they'll move to like the love stage very quickly. I mean, basically, you know, my ex, when I got with him, he latched onto me and just never left. I mean, it, it kind of, I guess looking back, it might look kind of creepy, but I don't know. Um, it just was normal to me. But mm-hmm. You know, he did get me from a rebound relationship, and they do that often. They will yes. um, they will approach when you're weak, when you're on the rebound from another relationship. That's when they kind of like to. I, I like to say that narcissists inhabit endings, and I think that that is true. Um, they inhabit them in more ways than one. You know, not just the ending that they bring to you, but then they inhabit other people's endings, the endings of their relationship or some traumatic thing in their life, and they're there to pick up the pieces, right? And they're the shoulder to cry on. They're the ones that are going to be different. And um, that is almost never the case, that they're going to be different. <laughs> um, so the, the next one would be fantasy. And that was really kind of, you know, and it's so hard to explain because, you know, I didn't have any fantasy life. I didn't. Um, it's hard to explain to people why that that fantasy means anything to me. I, I wasn't rich. We weren't rich. We didn't have much. It is the way that they make you feel, right? Mm -hmm. They make you feel like the two of you are special, like you're in your own world, like um, everyone else is an outsider, like all the two of you need is that, or the the two of you. And then, you know, you're you're better than everyone else. You're, you know, smarter, you're more beautiful, you're whatever. And really that you don't need outsiders at all. So that fantasy is a fantasy of perfect love is what it is. So not Mm -hmm. so much a fantasy life but the ideal of perfect love. And um, that is what they try to give you. And for a long time, he did give me that. I mean, I could never in a thousand years have predicted what happened would have happened the way it did. Um, I would have bet my life that I knew him and I didn't. And that was the, that's the really heinous part of it that you think you know someone after all of those years it feels um, very a, organic, doesn't it? It, it feels, does. It feels like it you've known them for lifetimes. Like they're yes, uh, they're mm-hmm. just such a perfect fit, yes. and that yes. that there's such intimacy. And the and irony, know, it's just that it's the opposite of intimacy. It is. That it is. It was all created. It's and just uh, yeah, and it, it is a complete. What is a nice way to say it? You know cluster you know what of the mind yes cluster f yes <laughs> and there's it it, it is five. unbelievable to look back at that and to realize what it was it's just mm-hmm. almost like how it, it's, it, it blows your mind it does and it makes me ill you know i i still get nauseous sometimes thinking about it because it's like it when it's your reality right it, mm-hmm. your your whole reality is undermined by these people and let me just um, just add this you know this is not just your experience or my experience like oh how how what kind of coincidence that you and i see this the same way there's like a textbook manual that almost every person with narcissistic personality disorder 
goes by that manual, by that rule book. Yes. They have the same behaviors, the same yeah, progression, playbook, right? same everything. Just like any mental illness, it's going to have, you know, like a right. schizophrenic would have maybe auditory or visual hallucinations. Yes. Same concept. This illness, this narcissistic disorder right. manifests in that way. So yes, that does make sense if you think about it. It's a manifestation mm -hmm. of the illness of the brain dysregulation, yeah. chemical, physical, anatomically, yeah. you know, the whole thing all together. Yeah. So yeah, it's not just us, it's everybody. <laughs> yeah, um, we don't know exactly how, you know, why it, it occurs. Um, they have some guesses, they don't know for sure. Right. But we do know that, you know, when that, when the, it usually starts to happen, probably between the ages of three and six years old. Mm -hmm. And then the NPD is in place by early adolescence. Yeah. And it's really a shame avoidance disorder. They have had something, you know, whatever it is, they refuse to participate in shame at all. They won't be shamed. It's like battery acid to them. It's like you threw it on them and they That's have to right. run from it. And so whatever they do, so the reason that these things are so consistent is that there's only a certain amount, a certain array of human behaviors you can choose from, right? Given mm -hmm. any path that you're on. And if you're trying to avoid shame at every turn, um, you're going to, you can pretty much predict what they're going to do. Um, you're going to take the direction. He, they're going to take the direction that's going to be the least amount of shame or the most amount. And, and so right. you can also see that in a positive vein, which is like, say, the most amount of attention or the other way that they can avoid shame is by placing it on you. Mm -hmm. So if they're placing it on you, then that's a way to get the shame off of them. And so they'll do that. So one of those maneuvers is what they're going to take in any given situation. And so it's no wonder really that they are all very consistent in that playbook. Exactly. So back to the five F's we've got yeah. fast, we've got fast. Fantasy, fantasy and Oh, what a glorious fantasy. <laughs> yes, it is. It's a it's a fantasy of perfect love, right? Perfect. It's, it's perfect. Be perfect love. And, and eternal, and it's it, everything yeah, we ever perfect. wanted. Mm -hmm. And you do feel that, and it's so hard to transmit that thing, right? But I mean, I try to do it. I tried to write about it, but it's hard. Mm -hmm. um, just imagine that you know that you're just every. I mean, I I I used to describe it as myself. I I was in a bubble. Like a bubble that he, even before yes. I knew MPD was or anything, I would say that. Like I was mm -hmm. in a bubble that like he sort of created around me. Yeah. And the world just didn't hit me as hard. You a know? magical, insulated bubble. Mm -hmm. Who cares if there's mm -hmm. a pandemic or war or famine <laughs> or inflation? I'm in this bubble and I could die right now and be blissfully, mm -hmm. gloriously. This, Ooh, right, right. It's just like everything is always mm -hmm. just perfectly. Yeah, it's, I wrote a one, one Cora thing that I wrote said, you know, it's, it's the equivalent of um, the temperature always being perfect, you know, 78 degrees outside yes. and you're on an island somewhere. It's, and it's like fantasy island. It's just it your is island. fantasy island. That is really oh, it's <laughs> your exactly island. What it's the it idea that if you could find that soulmate and you could walk through life with them in some sort of, you know, Disney, uh, you know, spotlight coming down. That is how it feels. It does. And it wouldn't look that way necessarily to the outside, in, from the outside into people, but nothing touched me. I mean, I was just kind of disconnected mm -hmm. from all of that. And, you know, I realize now that he isolated me too, but that was, um, that was kind of secondary to, you know, that was just what I always felt. And I have, I've heard horrible. people say, that that shared fantasy stage 
is actually, I believe Sam Backman was the first person who said this, that the shared fantasy is actually a mutual psychosis. It is. It it's is. A mutual and that is psychosis. one of the things I'm going to talk about that we, you know, because I have also have eight, um, eight ways to recover from narcissism. They're all ours. <laughs> so we'll do F's and R's. Yay. Today. Okay. Um, so what's I, I number three? That. I love automatopoia. Yeah, so. What's F's right, so number three? The third one is uh, favors. So one of the, the big things to watch for whenever you're, you know, if you're looking out for narcissism or, or possible um, narcissistic abuse, the possibility of it is um, especially a covert narcissist. They will, they're the opposite of grandiose. I mean, they're not, they still want the same thing. They want supply, but they go about getting it in a different way. And the way that they do it, they're smart. I mean, they're super smart. They figured out that if you're blunt about it, if you hit people over the head with it, like a, a grandiose might, well, people people might shy away from that, you know? So they are sneaky about it. Um, and what they end up doing is is they, they put out this idea out there that, you know, they're very humble. They can be great neighbors. I mean, they're, my husband, my ex-husband mm -hmm. was like, um, he was the first one out there, you know, shoveling snow mm -hmm. on a Saturday for a neighbor. He was very much into appearances, how everything was perceived, right? Um, and everybody, if you were to meet him right now, and I mean, I'm serious, you would probably think I was making the whole thing up because right. he would They're come across as totally authentic, the nicest guy you'd ever want to meet. Mm -hmm. You wouldn't spot a single thing in him that would be unusual about like that. And probably very... Uh, uh, soft-spoken and sweet and yes. polite and yes. courteous. Mm -hmm. uh, yes. Mine was always just, so, I mean, he never raised mm -hmm. his voice. And I yes. have always been amazed at how you can actually just annihilate someone, just, just totally destroy them without ever laying a hand on them or ever mm -hmm. raising your voice. Yeah. It, uh, he taught me that. That, that, yeah, that, that well, is with my, with my ex, um, you know, he did eventually raise his voice, but for 25 years, he didn't really, mm -hmm. and um, never talked to me like he did in the last for, right, the last right, four right. years when, right. when, when, the, when the devaluation really mm -hmm. started. But w the way that our relationship started out was really about, you know, him doing things, a lot of things, you know, he would just do them unasked. I didn't ask him to do them, but he, he would do them all the time. It was just a kind of thing. Um, kind of a fetch and carry kind of thing, you know, mm -hmm. like, let me get you this, let me get you that, let me serve you, let me be your humble servant. And then it kind of, you know, moved out to other things, but he was always the first one, you know, to volunteer, to go to the store, to do those little things, you know, that mm -hmm. you don't always want to do. And other and, people see them as that, mm -hmm. as just this, yeah. wow, she's so lucky, and wow, yes. what a catch, and he's just oh, so Oh, God, awesome. yeah. Mm -hmm. it's, that's called virtue signaling, too, and the narcissist yes. is signaling to other people that, you know, look how great I am, look how lucky she is, or sometimes signaling to new partners that they might be. Well, he's more. also, or she, you know, the, he yes. or she is also uh, getting fuel or supply from mm -hmm. that admiration of look, look at how yeah. awesome, you know, that. Well, that and this anything is. that they later spend, because we'll, we'll talk about that a little bit more, any kind of devaluation that they do to what we call flying monkeys, which are just people that don't know who they really are. Mm -hmm. Everyone really buys their act because they don't know who they are. So it's, you know, and these are people too, that don't, you know, don't think 
too deeply about it. They're not going to. They well, just kind of take have them fooled. But then again, they had us fooled too. So <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. So I mean, I don't fault people for you know, right, for, for right. Uh-huh. Um, there are probably many people out there that I don't know right now are, that are covert narcissists. That it, yeah, if I heard it from their their spouse or their partner, I you know, I might believe it now, but I wouldn't have believed it then. Mm-hmm. And um, that's why it's important to believe victims. It really is. So but, we have yeah. fast and fantasy, and fantasy number three. And favors favors the mm-hmm. favors meaning the, this perfect well, fourth one it's uh, that's, this is moving more into devaluation stage it's uh, i call it finicky finicky so, is um, number four he is number four so I love it as love part, it. they move into devaluation mode what they start to do is um well first of all it's you know everything's got to comport with you know what's best i mean you've got to the environment has to suit them but really with what it started out with me was I mean, it was like a, a switch was flipped, really. So one day, it was he was the fantasy love person guy, and then the next day, basically, he left for two weeks, and then basically he came back and he was this other person, this imposter, this alien, whatever. And you know, it was everything I said. The, my tone was wrong. The word was wrong. Mm-hmm. He took offense by to everything. And just pick, we, pick, 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 pick. Pick, pick, pick. And it was just like everything. He was so finicky about like, I couldn't even open my mouth. And finally, mm-hmm. it, by the end, it, it became, you know, the act of speaking itself was the problem. And we would go into this whole word salad thing for, and, and at first, I mean, I would get so confused. The confusion was profound. I like to say there's five signs of, of covert narcissism. Confusion, 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 confusion. <laughs> like, it is. It's like the confusion, the cognitive dissonance is so massive because you know that somewhere in there you were making a point. There was a point. And yet they're spinning around on this little tiny micro point thing. And they they have you retreating. They have you, you know, oh, my God. Yeah, you right. I I did do something in 1982. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I like exactly. And you have to in that position, and then you know that the bigger point is gone. You know that you're losing this battle. You just don't know how. Mm-hmm. And you know that the bigger picture, like this, should be so easy, right? It should be to just sit down with another human being and talk about it, right? But that's that impossible. That's impossible, impossible to do that. But mm-hmm. for, for me, for example, we were planning a move you know, bad things had happened. Of course they had. And I had uh, minimized them uh, and stood by him, defending him, excusing him, rationalizing it all, you know, just all the things I should not have done. Any neurotypical person would have just exited the building and said, wow, you know, that is messed up. Can't, I mean, you know, no, and they would be gone, but no, I stayed. Mm -hmm. And, you know, the effort to talk to him was an effort to, you know, find jobs. And and we were going to buy another house in the new location. And I was excited about it, like new start. Oh, we're going to be in a new place. And we're not going to be reminded of all the terribly horrible, messed up stuff you've done here. And we're going to go there. And then it'll be cleaner and better. So let's plan (laughs) this. And, you know, he would cooperate to a large degree and be on board like, yeah, we would go visit and we got a realtor and we, you know, it looked like everything was as it should be, but there was that, always that undercurrent of criticism and picking. And, and yeah. at one point he said, why do you always 
burst my bubble. He said, it's like you've just got this pin and you're always just poking at my bubble. That's what he's doing. And I was like, oh my gosh, that's projection and transference, right? And I thought, I am trying to help us build this new, better, improved 2.0 version of our lives. Be excited with me and work with me. Don't attack me and tell me that I'm being overly critical. If I'm saying something that you're interpreting as poking your bubble, I'm sorry. That is not my intention. It is to have some some realistic uh, plan and a realistic expectation of what's going to happen here. Let's just navigate this together. He couldn't Mm -hmm. have that conversation because in his mind, all he could see was contempt for me because I wasn't giving him what he needed with the fuel and supply. And there had been so much ugliness and water under the bridge. I wasn't shiny and sparkly anymore. And there were all these other people, girls that, I mean, he was a cutie patootie. He was younger than me. And he would go out and people would think, whoa, what a catch. And, oh, well, you're so awesome. And you're so handsome. And you're so smart. Yeah. And we were way past that. We were together. We were married for uh, 15 years. And, we, you know, you get past that of having to inflate yes. their ego all the time and pet them. And, oh, yeah. you're so amazing. And, yeah. you know? I mean, that, okay. you have to spend all your time doing that, right? Yeah. You, you have other things that should be common vision kind of things that you're doing together. Oh, we raise three children together. But that and, doesn't and, happen. So finicky is, is perfect. I'm loving this. <laughs> okay. And then okay. Uh, number five. Number five. No, you burnt. Goodbye. You know, my, my uh, ex, when, when he started down that road and this, this could be called the long goodbye too, because it it doesn't, yes, sometimes they will just suddenly discard you. But, and and mine would hoover me back over and over. I just didn't know it was called hoovering. Right. I I had no idea. Um, He would micro hoover me, if that's even a word. It is. (laughs) I read about this. Like he would do it several times a day. It was, it was crazy. Um, in, in, in my mind, in my emotional landscape, we had broken up. I mean, like that day, three or four times, and then he would, he would switch the whole emotional landscape on me and be like, you know, and just and it, toward the end, it really got, the cycles got super fast, you know. Um, one of those indications, I think, that they're finally going to discard or that you're going to have to is that it just gets so much worse toward the end, or mm-hmm. at least it did for me. And the the cycles got really close together like um he would i mean he would he would basically show contempt for me devalue me push me away say he was leaving and then in the same 30 minute span be over all over on all over me you know trying to like kiss my neck exactly they just turn on a dime Mm -hmm. And yeah. you never know what, what, like, what is happening? This isn't yeah. even, no, this doesn't make You're sense like, what is going you are, on. I mean, I spent so much time in confusion because of that, just cognitive dissonance. Mm-hmm. I, I would have a, like a brain fog all the time. Um, and then the whole overall thing, you know, I would try to ask like, why are you doing this? It just seemed like it should be such a simple thing to sit down and figure it out. Right. No, it's not. It, they will talk in circles. It's all circular logic. It's all around that. But the Finnish thing, I mean, it, it really is. Um, they they are moving toward a goal, whether they know it or not. I, I don't know how much of it is always conscious or not. But um, you would anyone who was normal would see what their their actions were doing. And didn't you intuitively have some gut feeling? Oh yeah. That that he hated you 
towards yes, the end will, and then yes. he's just like disgusted by you and you just yes. knew that if he could push you in front of a bus he'd probably do it but yeah. but you kind of like dismissed it because of the cognitive dissonance and just told right. yourself that can't be right i'm just imagining this he's my husband well, and mine he loves me you know i i was really um you know in denial after so many years and, and i had been with him so long and was so young and um you know i mean there because I, I wouldn't it wasn't really that it wasn't bad abuse but there was physical abuse and this mm -hmm. last four the last four years that we were together um and he would have these rages right i mean i, I don't know i i think that he he did come from a really strong family um they were um, lds which is mormons out here in um, idaho and utah and I really do think that there was a part of him that that false self that he built up mm -hmm. really was, you know, did think that he was all these things. I think was... they do definitely. They're delusional. It is a delusional mm -hmm. dissociative disorder. It is. They do yes. not live in the same reality that you and I live they don't. in. He really so... thought he was all those things, though. And mm -hmm. and one of the things that he tried to do in a way, and, and I don't know that anyone's ever really said this, so I'll, I'll say it is I do think in a way he tried to live up to that false self in a way. I agree with you. Absolutely. Yes, I and agree with that. so angry, right, that he would rage after, like, mm -hmm. because he would stick around and stay. So, you know, I think those levels of empathy go up and down depending on the person. Um, well, you know, let's, just, let's, let's talk about empathy real quick. And I'm going to transition over to... Okay. Um, uh, I've got to do a technical thing yeah, in a yeah, second. No um, so give me two secs. One, two. I want to, uh, looking back at these, these five Fs, mm -hmm. um, I think we have to say that the narcissist, while they're going through this, uh, these five steps, there never does it cross their mind that there is anything wrong with them. Or that no. in in their reality that they live in, uh, they are uh, the the victim. If anything, mm -hmm. yeah. they are the one that has been betrayed. They are the right. one that has been disappointed by your right. terribleness, and they have ter they have just a huge, huge mm -hmm. amount of resentment towards yes. you contempt yeah. and resentment yeah. like how could you have been so horrible to them yeah. and and i want to talk about another feature that goes with that is their um their 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 amnesiac kind of um their <laughs> yeah. their they will wipe you their, off the face of the earth in their mind they do I mean, not have never... continuous memories either not only mm -hmm. and, and this is the thing that just it's unbelievable to me mm -hmm. that a person could do this even yeah. if they have some kind of disorder or mental illness yeah, it's pretty i amazing. still can't understand i mean i couldn't do that you couldn't do that any no. normal person they live with their memories and they yes. have continuous memory that's what they that's the psychological yeah. term for it continuous memory it's so they can reflect on their past learn from mm -hmm. it make right. adjustments whatever and they remember people. And when you remember, you know, when you connected with a person and you've been intimate with them, you remembered them with some degree yes. of mercy, fondness, kindness, uh, yes. respect. 
Um, they don't remember those emotions. They don't remember they ever felt anything positive. No, because they didn't, though. That's why they don't remember that part. Correct. I they mean, never really connected in the first place. Uh -huh. And uh -huh. so um, not only did they just hit the button and erase you uh -huh. as if you yes. never existed or anything they like that. They will do that. The gaps that they have in their memory um, are filled with confabulations, fantasy, mm -hmm. fabrications, and that they believe it. Some yes. these people that vilify the narcissist and now, granted, I know what destruction that they do. Uh, I made it for I'm not a young person. I made it for a very long time, had some very terrible uh, breakups and all of that, but nothing nothing compared to this uh, yes you know it's yeah it's really bad and, and my ex yeah my ex had no sense of linear time either like it was a, so if we were talking about something he was hopping literally hopping around in time like something happened before another thing and that was the cause the thing that happened later was the cause and the thing that happened earlier was the effect and i'm like see he just took whatever he he needed for the fantasy to keep, exactly you know, they fill in uh, the blank and and they call it revisionist history where they just make up a history so who knows the narrative that he's spinning with his new friends who of course yeah. my replacements mm -hmm. i'm yeah. sure there have been many in three years <laughs> um mm -hmm. my replacements and his friends his groupies his harem his flying squirrels his flying monkeys his flying mm -hmm. fantasies all of that stuff they believe this narrative and yeah. probably I read somewhere, maybe 10 or 20% of it is truth that, yeah. that, that they only remember, I don't know what study was done. I wish I could tell you where it was done and who did it, but I know that I read, they did a study with over 3000 people that have been diagnosed with pathological malignant narcissism. And that's hard to find because most narcissists yeah, don't go to therapy. They don't, and get go diagnosed, they don't go. Or they go and they bamboozle their therapist and the therapist yes, they do. That, yes, doesn't they do even that. know what they are because they're so, they have such a bulletproof false persona. They can yeah. convince anybody, you know, anybody, anybody, even your well, they, most. You know, they, they convinced us, like you said, I, went, yeah. until, I mean, until about two, what was it? Two years ago. So the way that I actually found out about, I, I, I have a college degree. I took a psychology class. I barely remember the word narcissism. Yeah, um, same here. But yeah. And, and I, so anyway, I had a friend. She's actually, she actually is staying with me this week. It's kind of odd, but um, she's much younger than me, but um, very um, courageous friend because most people, many people would not have done what she did. She actually had gotten really close to me and she was, here she had lived with uh, in, in a camper that i had a trailer that i had for a while and she kind of saw she got to see a little bit of what was mm -hmm. actually happening mm -hmm. and in the wake of that she um she and her boyfriend at the time they, they actually invited me to a denny's to denny's they took me in their car and we didn't get out of the parking lot um they sat and talked to me and, and they told she told me and, and tony told me um so their names were casey and tony and he had been through a lot of therapy and so he had some understanding of some things that she had also, you know, had some things anyway, but that was the first time that the idea, uh, I think the word, that the word narcissist was brought up to me mm -hmm. and 
um, they said, well, you know, it could be a narcissist, could be a sociopath, could be anything, you know. And I mean, I, I listened, I, I heard them, but I thought, well, that's not possible. I mean, nobody can hide for that long. Nobody right. could fool me. That's right. just not possible, right? That wouldn't be a thing. And so I, I just tried not to judge and I took what they said and I just went on with it. But what that did do is it started me poking around looking for answers. And uh, I stumble on Cora, and all of a sudden I, I see this whole hidden world. And um, it was over a period of time that I really was, you know, where I actually said, okay, these are the things that he's doing. Now, what does that fit? Because mm -hmm. that's, I mean, I just went purely by that. What is he doing to me that, that makes no sense? And, and once you what... get started with the research on this, it's amazing how much stuff there is out there about it, not just on Cora, but you've got like Melanie Tanya Evans and Kim Saeed yes. and my mm -hmm. guru, number one person who's taught me the most is Sam Vaknin, but also Richard Grannon and uh, mm -hmm. Robert Torvey. And the list is, there's so much, uh, well, there's so much crap out I, there. You know, I but, don't know how people would have ever, I, people from other generations who did not have the internet, I, I don't know, I guess they just lived in hell until well, they didn't. maybe that's why there wasn't such a uh uh focus mm -hmm. on it like these days yeah. i don't i don't like it the way that there's so much trendiness a uh, pop culture yeah, everybody's a narcissist well no they're not but Thanks it is help. increasing i guarantee <laughs> you look at our leaders look at the people in charge of things that are making decisions in the world i won't name names because i don't want to yes. uh, alienate political um yeah. people <laughs> right we're all political <laughs> we're all in this mess together we're just dumb you know and one <laughs> party victims. one party is not doing a better job than the other they are all corrupt and failing us at this time right. so um but just look around the world at the people that are in charge you don't think that there's something wrong with them <laughs> you know oh, right I, you know, i'm pretty sure that it's just uh, there are more of them and there's more awareness of it. So I hope that narcissism evolves kind of like ADHD evolved. You know, 20 right. years ago, I'm a teacher and I had students that, you know, before they had that label and diagnosed them with ADHD mm -hmm. before I'm that, that was in the DSM, the, the mm -hmm. manual for, for, uh, different things. But, it's like nobody talked about it. Nobody, right. it wasn't, it wasn't common um, verbiage for people to say that, you know, a parent or a teacher. And we would just say, you know, think to these kids, you know, why don't you just sit down and, and stop wiggling around? Just right, sit. Right. <laughs> you know, not knowing yeah. that there was anything wrong with them, except gosh, you know, maybe they eat too much sugar. But now we know more. We have a deeper understanding of what yeah. it is. We know that they're probably overly medicated these days, but we also yeah. understand the things that, um, to, how to, to treat it and what to right. do with that situation and that it is a condition and it's and legit. Right. I'm hoping that narcissism gets to that place where people understand it and acknowledge it. And they don't just throw the term around carelessly. Like everybody's a narcissist. You're a narcissist. He's a narcissist. No. And I don't You're, agree with that at all. Yeah. I, I don't do either. That, that, it, takes a, it takes away. It takes away from kind us. Of ground roots thing though that's happening on Quora and on the internet. And, mm -hmm. um, you know, there's there's a lot of you know people out there who are using the word irresponsibly. Like 
my boyfriend broke up with me. Is he a narcissist? Like, you know, come yeah. on. Like, we're, we're not talking about that. We're talking about some serious, uh, gut-wrenching, really understand anything about it, um, what the truth NPD thing is. So, um, but I think that Cora and, and other places like it, I think they serve a function in, in that there is very little in the DSM. I mean, as far as what's actually there, right, about narcissism. And they're, and you're, you're, mm -hmm. they're changing they it all the time. Written, mm -hmm. But there's not all of this vast amount of detail that we have. This is people who just go out and they have observed it. Yes. They've either come through relationships themselves. And so they're saying what they lived, their lived experience. Um, and there's actually very few really, um, you know, people in the professional field that were focusing on it, at least at one time. Um, it's, oh, hard it's, to find it, you know? right? it's hard to find anyone, a mental health professional who really understands what it is. Well, you know, um, I, I sought out counseling. My, my husband did go a couple of times and, um, well, that was just so much fun. That was such a disaster <laughs> because I, I didn't realize it at the time, but you know, I we went and saw this woman, it was still COVID and it was, um, we did it telehealth. And so we, we saw her together once and then he saw her by himself once and then I saw her by, by myself once, you know. Mm -hmm. um, so we saw her together. She seemed perfectly nice and fine. He saw her and by the time she got to me, she had completely turned against me. I still have the letter that mm -hmm. I wrote to her that she completely mistook for anything that rational that I ever said. I mean, it was crazy and I knew then, this is before I knew what narcissism was even. But I, I just, what the heck is going on What here? just happened, I, right? I felt yeah, the same yeah, way. He, and, Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, he, so later on, there was a, another counselor and I, I hate to admit that I did this, but I did, he had a session like that and it was a telehealth and I, I slipped my phone in and taped it. And, you know, it, it wasn't even that he was telling her anything bad. It was just that there's no problem. And he's yeah. being, he's being the nice guy, right? Asking about her being nice, you know, so he's not even saying anything bad about me. It was just. There's no, I don't have a It's problem. all part of the manipulation and, though. My, uh, my ex came to me and used the things, his therapist that he got her to believe as ammunition mm -hmm. against me to give himself mm -hmm. permission to do the yes. things he did in the end, in the very end, when he suddenly just out of the blue decided it's time to go, I'm going to leave now. Mm -hmm. And he acted like, well, what's the problem? You know, do what I'm going to do. Be single, start dating, have fun. And right. I was just like, we're getting ready to move. And, you know, a week ago, we were kind of not living in the house, real world. You know, what, uh, no, no. Wait a second. That, like, that idea, that, that what's final happening thing that here? And yeah. he said, yeah, my therapist said she thinks maybe I'm polyamorous and I should just go with that. Oh, I was oh like, yeah. They, they should all join a club, for sure. That's, my gosh, all this is like, that idea. what on um, earth are you talking about? I can tell you some stories, but I won't. Because, <laughs> right like, now, you know, but... it was like last week. I mean, we had just gotten back from a trip to Europe and then not a word about any anything nope. being wrong or leaving or being unhappy or whatever. We were eating crepes and holding hands through the streets mm -hmm. of Paris. And then, boom, he's gone and I'm polyamorous. My therapist said so. It's like, <laughs> wow, you know, and he's not. And that wasn't, I mean, it was just what he told her and made her believe. Yeah. So, well, it's. You know, that, that idea of the, that final thing to finish. So, you know, as you reminded me, we have fast, uh, fantasy, favors, finicky, and then finished. And that is the thing. Like, you, <laughs> there were so many dress rehearsals for me. For, <laughs> he 
would leave every other day or claim or say mm -hmm. he was going to leave. Sometimes many times a day. It started to feel unreal and the threat became, you know, not real. And it, it just sort of, you know, after a while you just don't believe it. And yet, so your supply is diminished too because they're, they're not getting the reaction from you that they once right. were. And so they have to keep upping the ante to get mm -hmm. it. But it is true that like, especially coverts though, uh, once you see through their fantasy self, once you see it, and Dr. Melissa Cald is someone that I oh, follow yes. on court, she's awesome. Too. She says this, and I believe it's true. Once you see through their fantasy self, they will not stay ever. Now, mm -hmm. some coverts, because some coverts will stay, they say, you know, for a long time. And they do stay for a long time. They really do invest in a long-term source of supply. They don't like the effort that it takes to go out and find someone else. They want that that person to be there to just, you know, be able to unload crap on you and, um, you know, partly to get affirmative affirmation. But when that's gone, then to just, you know, kind of shit on your day or whatever. And um, they, they really invest in that long-term thing. Yes. But once they're, I mean, once you see past the false self, it's just a matter of time. And they will discard. They and unlike a, 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 a normal narcissist, or there is such a thing, but a, a grandiose narcissist. Unlike them, coverts will discard you for good. Um, they they don't necessarily hoover you back if you've seen past that false self. Correct. They're and done. You've really seen it. Like there's so much shame or potential for shame involved with that with them that they they will often it'll be final. It'll be for good. Oh yeah. They'll never come. That's absolutely and, correct. Yeah. I, so I, I want to say finish. That's what I mean with covert. Them. When they, when they go, they're probably gone. For let me like, toss one other thing out there to think about. Um, they're beginning to think that all personality disorders are more interrelated than they thought previously. Yeah. And they're mm -hmm. not like such separate diagnoses. <laughs> they're also Literally. saying that maybe the covert vulnerable shy narcissist is really mm -hmm. the only one that's truly a narcissist and that the overt grandiose narcissist is really a primary psychopath that could very well be because i really think that narcissism is a is a thing that is hidden in a way i mean it's not something that you approach straight on i mean i have felt this from the beginning just intuitively that yes um you know that that people who go out and, and show that they're kind of like brag the thing that you normally think of when you think of grandiose narcissists you think of the word narcissist you mm -hmm. think kind of a braggart you know i have a son who's like that but he's 26 you know he probably is going to come out of that stage eventually you know um it, it is those things that you would see when you'd see a young person kind of you know hey i'm great or young man i'm great i'm wonderful yeah look at me and um i think those things if, if they stay past adolescence or early adulthood, those may be psychopathic traits. Mm. Um, narcissists are, they hide really. I mean, you'll never really know it. And, um, definitely you know, the covert. And that's what they're saying. We're, we're in the vanguard in the front yeah, of people naming are. in this Sam Vaknin, Richard Brannon, and us <laughs> are the only yeah. people that really? I have heard say that the covert is really the only true narcissist and wow. that the overt grandiose is probably just a psychopath because there yeah. is such an overlapping of lack mm -hmm. of empathy, lack of remorse, no object constancy, mm -hmm. the projection, the shame, right. the, 
the you know all that. But, it's, you know, the thing about psychopaths, though, I've I've always heard that they won't they, they don't eat and kill their own mates, unlike narcissists. But I uh, I don't know. Like no, the lions get to they blur. they they do. They can yeah. definitely. Uh, Maybe they just talk about that public idea of, of you, know, you know you're thinking about like the, the psychopath that has twenty yeah, people yeah. buried under the house and the wife yeah. that had no clue. <laughs> but there's different kinds of psychopaths. Right. There like are there's different Not kinds of, yeah. of narcissists, and and there's definitely the ones who harm their partner just as much as you know they harm because that's just what they, yeah, they, some they do. Yeah, people say narcissists, but don't. they don't physically the abuse. Like, yeah, the narcissist <laughs> is. Um, wants to have there there are some differences we we don't have time to get into but yeah, i do yeah. think that you can have like be both i think hence the term narcopath you've heard mm -hmm. that narcopath yes. is a narcissistic uh -huh. slash sociopath or a narcissistic yeah. slash psychopath and yes. yes you can be both yeah. you you can and i think that 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 uh, sociopath part is often from environment too. Yeah. Like, um, you know, the first, actually the first word that was mentioned about my ex was sociopath. Mm. And, um, I discounted that because I don't, I don't see him. I did not see him acting in those ways, but it could be because he came from a good family. He's not in, he, you know, he, he had enough money. He didn't have, you know, those, those conditions that are set for really making someone sociopathic. But if he had, I think that he could very well have gone down that road. Yes. You know, there's a lot um, of criminality, you know, there are. these days, not. He's not the, that, but. you know, it's preferred. It's kind of like Asperger's is not a politically correct term anymore. Um, you don't say that people have that they have autism. They're somewhere on the autism spectrum and with right. sociopaths, they don't really say sociopath anymore. It's antisocial right. personality, disorder. personality disorder. And that yes. explains it so perfectly, right? Uh -huh. And you could have a narcissist with those antisocial personality mm -hmm. uh, traits. You can have a cerebral narcissist, narcissist or a somatic that's covert. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, you could have, you, right. you know, there's the all kinds of things going physical, on. Right? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. No, the cerebral, um, you know, I even have, I'll throw out one crazy theory that I have. I could be breaking your psych ground here. I don't know. But I, okay. I actually think there's their type called a failed narcissist. And I've actually, I've met a couple of those. And the way that I like to put it is they want supply. They are covert narcissists. They are, but they, they're terrible at it. They don't have the charm or they don't have the, the ability to really get someone in. So what they do is they fall back almost completely on their flying monkeys, right? So yes. they'll come in and they'll, they'll get someone and they'll victimize them. And then they'll run back, they'll dump them, finished, right? They'll run back to their flying monkeys and they get almost all their supply off being a victim to their flying monkeys. That's what Absolutely. They do. Absolutely. That happens. And let me say this, you know, cluster B disorders, you've got your cluster A, B and C, <laughs> C being like dependent personality disorder and stuff mm -hmm. like that. But cluster B is borderline histrionic, mm -hmm. narcissist, sociopath, and psychopath, those five. Right. And Sam Vaknin calls the borderline uh, a failed narcissist. <laughs> that, well, <laughs> that, you know, that could be, but what the, what the borderline is trying to do is, um, I think is, um, so they are actually a narcissist, but for one person. That's well, they, the they, they seek external. They are, they're, they're focused on that one person. So they, they yeah. really are narcissists, but 
only with that one person. Correct. I mean, around, and, not, and they're all, and all of them, what they all have in common is they're seeking validation outside of themselves because yes, they, they don't are. know how yeah. to self-validate. They don't well, know the how to be whole or complete yeah. by themselves. Right. And so they have well, to the go is after perfect love, right? Yeah. Borderline. <laughs> so, gee, how well did the, does the narcissist in the borderline just click for a while? Absolutely. Right? Narcissist codependents, narcissist empaths, <laughs> narcissist borderline. There's a lot of material out there about that combination. That's like the relationship from hell for sure. And uh, yeah, yeah, I agree. We can get a little too, you know. Sometimes people out there, you know, they can get a little too. Um, too into labeling everything. I mean, it was a Absolutely. I think all that, that we really like need to that. know instead of trying to figure out, am I borderline? Am I codependent? Yeah. Am I an inverted narcissist? Because that's a thing. Uh, I, mm -hmm. I decided that's probably what I was. I self-diagnosed <laughs> myself as an inverted narcissist at one point during recovery because they're the ones who cannot ever be happy unless they're in a relationship with a narcissist. They, oh it God. has to be. Well, no, and that, that could be because like, um, you know, they say that some people are narcissist magnets and I would, I would say that I might be that as well. Yep. It, it's, it's like once you've had that, um, the, I don't know, like once you've had fake sugar, you don't want real sugar anymore. It's like know. everybody it's, else is black and white and they're so bland mm -hmm. and boring and so healthy. Yes. And so there is uh, a kind of danger with them. And it's like yes. a, it's a world of possibility, right? When you meet this person, what they do is they they give you this feeling that everything is endlessly possible. You could yes. be rock stars tomorrow, or yes. you could like be invited to orgies with really attractive people, or something. It's like, it. like heroin. It is exactly yes. like a drug. We could do a whole talk on how it is. It These is relationships like are like being addicted to heroin. We have to detox. We have yeah, to get that drug out because as long as we're craving that drug, we're craving that intensity, that technicolor, mm -hmm. that perfect oh, fantasy. Right? Oh, nothing right. else is ever going to compare. And I'm sure that that's how drug addicts feel. Like you want to yeah, give me, uh, you want to give me an Advil and tell me to just, <laughs> you know, I need the heroin because that's the only thing that's going to make me feel alive it's going to make me feel yeah. okay and without that i'm not so exactly no and it's really bad and it's like i wrote a little thing once about you know the idea of that, that fantasy that eternal thing and you know i had so much response from people mostly women but it was this idea that you know i i really kind of described it as hey we kind of want to be back there in that perfect yes. uh, 78 degrees and and yeah, you know everything do. blue skies for, forever and everybody kind of responded to that with like, yeah, I mean, I hate him, but yeah. I, and, and the thing is, we we're kind of pissed that we, you know, they kicked us out of their fantasy bubble. Um, yes, they're awful people, but we didn't know it. And ignorance is bliss, you know. Um, That's exactly so I'd like, right. I'd just like to go over in the last few couple of minutes probably we have. Um, I'm not sure where we're at on time, but. I do have some um, eight R's, so we did five. Can uh, we just list up. them today? Because we've only got about uh -huh. five more minutes. And oh. and I, I would like to come back at some point oh. with you and spend a whole nother episode on those eight, oh, well, on those eight things. But give us a little well, we preview. Give us a preview. Okay. Well, these are just my um, eight R's on how to overcome narcissistic abuse. Um, and so the first one is remember and uh, relive, reflect, renounce. Uh, release, restore, 
uh, and rebuild. And so those are just the steps that you go through to kind of get from, you know, where, where they left you at, at the bottom of wherever, to get up to the surface. And it's a, it's a really difficult process. Um, I don't think anyone understands that, you know, really the, the first, they, people say there's like all the five steps of narcissistic abuse. Well, the, the first step after narcissistic abuse is, um, I'm allergic to showers, a stage, <laughs> and I can't get out of bed stage. Yeah. And then there's the, complete you know, collapse. Um, I think I'm going crazy for reals this time stage. I mean, it's, yeah. it's really hard. Um, you're, you feel like your whole reality has been up, upturned. Mm-hmm. Um, you, I, I mean, I don't know how many of you have ever been on an acid trip. I took it a couple times in college. And let me tell you, it was nothing compared to the trip with the narcissist. Yes, I might have done that in high school a couple of times, maybe. Oh, my maybe. God. I it's, don't know. But, it's, like uh, a, it's like an acid trip with no acid. It's, it's, it is. Um, and how does anything compare to that? <laughs> I, I don't know. How does anything compare to that? So it's I, I called myself a love junkie once, I think, in one of mm-hmm. my articles, because I, as far as naming like a label for myself, you know, I think it works because the mm-hmm. addiction thing, we should do a talk on that, Myla, on yeah. addiction, how we become physically, chemically on a cellular level. Yes. We really do. addicted to them. This I mean, is when not, I'm around him at all, not, I can I can almost feel myself jonesing. They say, as they call it, for for a, a hit of what he has, like the hit of dopamine me validation. Tell me I'm okay. Be, yes, like, make me okay. Again, let, let, let's have the heroin in the eyeballs right now. <laughs> yeah, right? give it to me. Give it to me. I can't get within any. I can't get anywhere near him. Or I'm like, I, I'm just like the a last, junkie. Just crazy. The last it, you know? time that I saw uh, my ex husband. Uh, I thought I was just, I was at a a better place. I had gone through Mm -hmm. all that crazy first year of just wanting to die and falling apart and crumbling and all of that. And I felt like I was, I was unsteady, but I was standing. So I thought, okay, I'm going to see him, give him some, like his guitar back and whatever. We went to, uh, we went to an acai bowl place and I was sitting at an outdoor table and when I looked up, I didn't recognize him at first. I looked away and then I was like, wait a second, is that him? And I looked again and I tell you, it was like thunderbolts struck me and nearly knocked me out of my seat. I was overwhelmed with a gushing sensation of mm-hmm. being flooded yes. with like heroin. I yes. was suddenly it was just yeah. euphoric. <laughs> This is a person yeah. who ruined my life, yeah, ruined, you my, have ruined my relationship with my yeah. children, ruined my career. I was up mm-hmm. for tenure at the college, didn't get that, you know, ruined so many things. And I was a, not just a victim. I volunteered like, yes, ruin yeah. it all. I want you yes. to ruin it all. Ruin it all some more. Ruin it more. But just because, love me. Just, <laughs> just love, love me. me. Ruin it all, but just, just love give me. me more. Give me more. Yeah, the, uh, the and, drug analogy well, is very good, actually. Because I was it, does just, it was incredible. I was like a giddy middle school girl <laughs> when he walked yeah. up. Like, oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I've always said, just, you know, with my ex, oh, my like, gosh. Um, nobody could ever tell me anything about him. Nobody could ever tell me that anything was wrong. Like, I wouldn't hear it at all. And I always knew that. And yet I thought that was okay. It was just fine, you know, because that was what love was. I thought, and here's the thing that I, I really understand. What I thought was love 
apparently isn't. I mean, love is a lot more layered, I think, than that, and, and probably harder than, they, than he made it for me, um, because he was playing a role. And at, at the end of the day, you know, do you want, do you want, you know, the drug that you want, or do you want reality? Well, truth is, we want the drug that we want, but <laughs> we some, but when that goes away, we have to accept reality. And uh, we have to live there somewhere. And, yeah, and reality oh, sucks right now, by the way. So wouldn't yeah. wouldn't it be easier to have some medication for that? And the narcissist yeah. is that medication for Yes. He, he, so. They really are. I mean, they make themselves into whatever whatever personal drug you need. Yes. Um, they do. They kind of like chemically all the they just sort of alter all the molecules around you to be what you need. And uh -huh. when they want to have you, they, they'll, they'll keep that on that persona on perfectly. And then once they're really done or bored or whatever, that mask drops and then they don't care. Yeah. And then the devaluation starts and then the discard will come so shortly thereafter. It is some insane stuff, isn't it? <laughs> it is. I'll tell you. Well, listen, we're going we to have to bond together. Like. We're going to have to wrap it up, but will you tell yeah. us now, I'm going to put some things, uh, hopefully in the description, some links where you can connect with Myla if you want to read some of um, her things. And you have this, uh, the the what we talked about today in some kind of article blog you've written. That yeah, maybe I will. Can, I will put it up on my site. Uh, uh, get that to me. So just go to Cora and search for Myla on here. So it. tell us uh, real quickly before we go what uh how can they connect with you your your like the gmail and also tell us about the website you're working on right so yeah um so on cora just search for Milo morningstar that's what i go off of uh go off of on cora and um any one of my sites will come up hidden or, or any of them or my profile will have everything so um also you can reach me so i do life coaching i do uh I like to call myself a narcissism survival expert because that's that's what I've been. Um, I don't I don't say I'm more or less. I just I I survived it, and um, I successfully divorced a narcissist. And I can hopefully you know anyone who's out there is overwhelmed and has feels like they're losing the battle against cluster B or against narcissism. There is clarity. There is clarity out there um, from the people, especially who've survived it and gone through mm -hmm. it and, and come out at the other end. Yes. It's either going to kill you or you're going to learn some things about it. So I do that. If you'd like to reach me, uh, my email is roadside namaste, like the peace, like namaste, roadside namaste at gmail.com. And then uh, my upcoming website that I'm currently working on is also going to be called roadside namaste.com. And um, you, but if, if anyone's interested in booking a session on the life coaching, I am uh, just reach out to me by email for now, roadside namaste at gmail roadside namaste n-a-m-a-s-t-e mm -hmm. okay <laughs> but we'll it. have that up beside well it, so. i want to thank you so much for your time that is the greatest gift we can give to one another <laughs> and i know we have common goals is to educate uh the world about the realities yeah. of what this is both when we're in it and when we come out of it um in hopes that we don't um get into it again and yeah. um and so I think we're doing the work, boots on the ground. And um, I just really appreciate you and what you're doing. And well, I have such thank you. I, I appreciate what you're doing. I mean, I, I, I write and I can only reach so many people, but this, this venue is amazing. And um, thank you for being such an awesome interviewer. I appreciate it. <laughs> this is my first podcast. So. 
Well, thank you again. And uh, to all my listeners, tune in again. Maybe we'll bring Myla back and, and talk a little bit more about some of these things that uh, only survivors would know. <laughs> Secret. Secret survival. Secret, Secret survival yeah. things. That's right. Okay. All right. Well, thank you. Thank we'll you. you. Bye.